If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with an acute obsession of true crime, caught discussing tragic events with unwilling participants, or kept awake at night by the paranormal or just plain absurd, you've found the right place. All others, beware of catching this dangerous bug as we begin to talk about the facts. and this is let's talk about the facts and what the fuck was all of that guys so today we are recording on inauguration day i've done a lot of crying it was all happy crying it was beautiful and i do have to apologize for the two weeks i had to take off i hurt a finger actually two fingers and I did send a video to Robert, my brother, who I think you might just know by now, by the amount of times I think I've referenced him, maybe every episode, I was like, my goddamn pinky finger, Earl, if you know that movie. Uh, but yeah, you know, I couldn't produce a podcast with some broken fingers, hilariously enough, and so I did take two weeks off, I owe you an alien episode, like we promised at the end of 2020 it will come i also have promised a two-parter west memphis three i know that that is coming too so do not fret but today we bring you something a little more interesting than empty promises really so with me today is a good friend of mine Kristen. so Kristen, say hi Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I need like a teleprompter or what do we call those things? Teleprompter? I need one of those. Yeah, the teleprompter that rolls and tells you the lines that you're supposed to yeah. say. Yeah, but what happens when you're the one who's supposed to make up the lines? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't like that, I say, as a writer who makes up lines for my day job. And that's what she does. <laughs> mm-hmm. We write the lines. We never say the lines, except I kind of do both. Um, she's here with me and we are going to discuss a very fun California crime. I thought, I say fun so, so terribly, um, that I thought would be really relevant (laughs) and sort of this kind of change limbo, but not limbo. This was an amazing day. Of course, this is coming out the day after the inauguration, but we are recording the day of um and cheers cheers Cheers, everyone we made it (laughs) not all of us did but we made it and hope is on the horizon so started from the bottom let's see what happens and so we will be discussing the death of Maitreese Richardson some say the murder of Maitreese Richardson I am one of those some Um, it is up to Kristen at the end to see how she feels about it, but a lot of people bat around. As an expert in murder. Sorry. Yeah, she's definitely an expert in murder because I talk to her about it all the time. (laughs) All of my friends know. They're like, oh, I found this interesting murder article. Let me send it to Elizabeth. And I'm like, you guys love me. Um... But, you know, there's the debate about the defund the police slogan in the United States. And honestly, 
I'm very much behind the concept of spreading the funds into specific categories where police keep the peace and Mm -hmm. there's mental health programs, there is rehousing initiatives for homeless instead of jailing everybody. And honestly, um, we will see by the end of this if a story like this would change your mind. So um, with that in mind, I chose my Therese Richardson story because this one actually, it kind of hit me hard. I heard of it first while watching a show new to me. Um, I found it on Hulu. So at the time of this recording, it's on Hulu. Well, at least season six is, and that's the season uh, my Teresa's story is on. You get to see her mother and her aunt and clips of actual investiga- investigative footage. That's a word. I made it up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Nailed it. Perfect. Nailed it. First time. Uh, you get to hear how the family was really kind of put in this situation where it was a no win from the start and I really felt for them and I really felt I felt like my Therese was cheated and I felt once again like no trust or love for the police and is that what we want as a community and of course this story takes place in 2009 to 2010 and that is very interesting I find um, because of all of our recent events but so many people have said or it has been said um, that speaking of lightly in the background for Kristen um, they're coming <laughs> you bastards somebody now i'm recording a podcast it's just another example (laughs) of how they're negligent rude inconsiderate anyway continue just saying um and you know if you're a longtime listener of us that we have not been the biggest fans of police really at all but enough stumbling over all of that we are going to discuss it give you the facts and then give you our opinions as always because we talk about those facts but in just to take you back let's give you context for 2010 um i chose 2010 because we just finished 2020 and i thought it'd be kind of interesting to flip back for that 10 years um so i i chose a couple facts that would be hilarious to discuss. Uh, the first iPad came out. Um, yeah, on January 27th of 2010, I was like, oh, when are we going to get the Tampod? And I still think that joke is funny, and I'm thrilled that for 10 years, I have still thought that was funny. <laughs> it's impressive. Um, I mean, I'm laughing at it, and um, I mean, I'm your friend, so I'm I'm contractually obligated to laugh at it, but I mean, I do think it's funny, so cheers. I know, I was like, okay, you were going to call it the MacPad, but then you went with iPad, Mm -hmm. and for some reason, Tampod was right there. (laughs) It was, you know? And um, it was with the stick iPad, or the stick iPod minis, do you remember those? 
I do. They were very sexy. Yeah, what a sexy design. That's the tampon right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> a, uh, have you emailed Apple about this? You should. I would never give Apple my ideas. They're already stealing them as we speak. Actually, you're correct. Yes, that's, that's correct. That's the correct response. Uh, speaking of, Obama was president. Oh! <laughs> it gets me, man. What a time. Wow. What a time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, Michelle was serving those looks like she did today. I mean, she still is. She still is, babe. I mean, God, that, that look. I'm obsessed with all of their outfits today, but especially hers. Like, that perfect shade of red, that I was, belt, I cried. the curls, like, everything. And it just the contrast between, like, her look at the uh, Trump inauguration, which she still looked great, but clearly was not trying as hard. Uh, I was perfect. like... That was the, I look great at all times I woke up like this. And today was yeah. like, I showed this up. Is, I showed up. Oh, I loved it. I cried for every single outfit. Like, Jill yeah. Biden oh. looked like a swan. Like, oh. Amazing. Just floated. And like, oh. And then Kamala came out in that purple number. And oh, guys, purple's my favorite color. And I was in, I've been with her for I mean, it's fucking oil. Like, oh my God. Like I voted for her as senator. <laughs> it's a long, it's been a long journey. It's been a long journey, guys. So anyway, to get out of politics <laughs> and back on to how a 7.0 magnitude earthquake devastated Haiti in 2010, <laughs> destroying the nation's infrastructure. Wow, that was horrible. Sorry, that was almost a spit take. I'm sorry. Just the, the sharp turn from politics into a devastating earthquake um continue please i know we're all about the sharp right turns sharp left turns here we don't yeah same she's drinking wine i'm drinking ginger ale because i can't drink wine but if i could i would right now guys (laughs) um also we had the snowmageddon if you remember that i got pneumonia during that um Basically, the east coast of the U.S. got 40 inches of snow in one week. But then, like, the rest of the country got snow, too. And I actually was living in Arkansas at the time. And it ices, not snows. And I got pneumonia. It was awesome. I Um, don't remember this at all. But also, I blocked out the majority of my high school years. Yeah, I was a senior in high school this year, uh, 2010, 2009 to 10. Um, what a time. What a time to be alive. Oh, speaking of, this was the year that Zuckies turned into an alien because Time Magazine announced that he was person of the year, and so he began his descent into bad haircuts. Gag. Super gag. So that's about 2010. That's the chuckles that you have for the day. So let's get into... The sadness. Like, boom, sadness, here we go. Let's talk about Maitrice Richardson. So she is 24 years old. This girl is basically one of the most perfect people that you can imagine. She was gorgeous. You look at a photo of her and you're like, how is she not Miss America? Like, she is that pretty. She has got that face. You know what I mean? Um, She was tall. She was black. Very thin. A superb dancer. She was a competitive cheerleader. 
she um she was studying child psychology she had just graduated from cal state fullerton and she was going to go on to get her uh graduate degree in oh sorry she got her uh cal state fullerton degree in psychology um in 2008 and she was going on to uh work on getting her graduate degree in child psychology so she had just come out to her family as a lesbian and they were very accepting they were very happy for her so she was very accepted in her family that was not a problem at all um she knew south la that's where her father lived and at the time she was living with her great-grandmother um down in south la uh it said i'd like i believe i read at 118th and central so that's like way down um this is just a kind of sad because it's like this setup of like she was a lovely person just gorgeous so smart all these achievements the parents accepted her her life was on the right track you're like this is it's just it's just the perfect setup and you know that it's gonna go it's gonna be sad it, yeah, and what I find so interesting, she actually worked on Friday nights as a go-go dancer at a gay and lesbian bar, so she wasn't a stripper. She was one of the go-go dancers that would get the crowd hyped. Um, that's, so, that's so fun. Yeah. I, I wish I had the confidence remember. to do that. <laughs> exactly, because she was a phenomenal dancer already. You, there's a video, if you do watch that show. Did I ever name the show? I don't think I did. It was Disappeared. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> you actually can see footage of her in dancing competitions, and she is incredibly talented. And being able to work as a go-go dancer in a gay lesbian environment was probably really like soothing and confidence boosting for her because she's among her people, you know. Um, and this is 2010 when the or sorry 2009 where they're battling out same-sex marriage, and so. Yeah. Maitrese realizing her sexuality in this time, it was a difficult time for the LGBTQ plus community. And so as a recent college graduate, she moved in with her great grandmother who was in her, I believe, early 90s, um, if I remember correctly. I did not write that down. Um, Basically... For it being closer to where she wanted to go to school, for graduate school, and also because her great-grandmother at the time was living alone, and people were worried, I say people, her family was worried about her, just because at that age, like, anything could happen, you know? Yeah. But now we're finding at any age, anything could happen. Does not discriminate. Yeah. I mean, I broke two fingers. Tripping. Um... (laughs) I, I laugh like that's not gonna be me probably tomorrow i know it was so stupid and i was like i went to work and i was like oh yeah my finger's bleeding it's gonna be fine the next day they were like what did you do like went to urgent care and i'm thinking i was like oh it's nothing and uh, my brother was like yeah you need to go to the doctor and i was like nah <laughs> millennial health care please 
exactly what I'm like. It ha- the pain has to be truly like beyond for me to take any action. Like and it's gotta be then. so bad. Even, even then, then, I'm like, no, I can handle it. It's fu- it's fine. Like as I'm bleeding buckets and like oh, my yeah. legs mangled and I'm you know dying. I'm like, please, I don't want to be like a bother. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm here to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we have Maitreese, gorgeous, love her. Her mother's name is Latrice. There are all eyes in this, by the way. Latrice, Maitreese. Okay. Just wanted to be clear on this because you see it in the show. And I see it reading, but it does sound like I'm saying Latrice, but it's Latrice. And I want to get her name correctly pronounced and mm-hmm. understood. Mitrice is M-I-T-R-I-C-E, which I think is a gorgeous name. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so their names, Mitrice, Latrice Richardson. Gotcha. Okay, so she leaves her grandmother's house. They usually do like a lunch thing on Fridays, but... She cut it um she cut it short and she decided to go take a drive along Pacific Coast Highway. She had a 98 Civic and it was a oh I'm sorry it was Wednesday not Friday. That was my bad. Wednesday evening they usually had like a lunch thing and she goes along Pacific Coast Highway. It was September of 2009 and she sees a restaurant just as the sun would be setting for us. So that's pretty late in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sees Joffrey's, which is a popular uh, Malibu restaurant. So Not the Game of Thrones character. <laughs> no, but spelled the same way, for sure. Awesome. <laughs> the restaurant is has a four-star views of the Pacific... Maitreese wasn't really familiar with it, but she also really didn't know Malibu, according to her family. Like, she knew Covina and, like, the suburbs of East L.A., and that's where she grew up with her mother and stepfather. She knew Fullerton because she graduated with honors from Cal State Fullerton. Um, But Malibu's not her turf, and honestly, is it anyone's turf? Like, she was brave for driving down the highway anyway. Like... I think I know one person who lives in Malibu, and I'm not entirely sure that they're real, so, yeah. Yeah, Malibu was on fire, like, a couple years ago. Has anyone lived there? Isn't it all dead by now? It's it's all gone? It's it's probably all gone, except for Malibu Barbie. Oh, yeah, that's correct. That's it. Um, But... So she pulls up to the restaurant, and it's valley-only parking, which I hate. But also, it's Malibu. And if you don't know, like, the Malibu Strip, especially off the Pacific Coast Highway, just as a pro tip of living in California and having driven that, it is so slim. Like, driving up that it is so slim the fact that they even have parking boggles me like where do you put your car like i don't understand that's why i never go to malibu because i feel like i have an like a panic attack trying to understand where to put my car and i'm gonna end up in oregon before i figure it out (laughs) 
<laughs> in the wrong state. That's that's a fair. That's fair. Because Malibu does do you... feel like it's on the other side of the country. It really does. Like, how do you turn around? It is so slim. You can't just whip a bitch and turn around in a U-turn. You can't. No, you've committed. You've committed. Yeah, if you're, you're going to Malibu, you've committed. You're There's... just stuck there. It's limbo. It's purgatory. You're going to suffer, and you're going to have to enjoy the suffering. I'm sorry. I mean, I think there's a couple cannon roads somewhere, but I don't know. I really don't. And that's going to really play into the story. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I feel, as a seasoned Angelino, I have no idea what the fuck is happening in Malibu, but I know it's not good. Um, anyway. So, my trees had, in the days prior, kind of been showing signs that something wasn't right. Um. She had recently broken up with her girlfriend of two years, who was named Tessa Moon, which is an amazing name. Oh, my God. Yes. Can I legally change my name to Tessa Moon? I'm not stopping you. Perfect. Uh, (laughs) But it wasn't really, like, just the sadness of that that kind of changed her behavior. So the family said that Maitreese had been diagnosed with nothing. Right. Uh, Mental illness wise. Mm -hmm. And it's not clear if she had been diagnosed like and she hadn't told them. But some say that she may have suffered from bipolar disorder. Uh, But up until this point, she appeared to have it under control. So Latisse gets she had been getting strange texts from her daughters and she uh, Maitreese had been posting unusual things on social media and her final like in one of the final Facebook posts it said I just want to sleep lol but you know me and my crazy ideas let's see where they take me which I don't know like that could be or it could not be I've said shit like that when I was (laughs) super tired and it does seem like your average like depression style like tweet you know what I mean? That, like, we all just dump on Twitter when we're, like, we just need a little bit of pity and validation from people around us. But, like, you know. Oh, yeah. 2009 to 2010 was a really bad time. Well, honestly, yes, that- 2009 to right now, and even before then, like, how many jokes did people make about dying? So many. A lot. Still a lot. do. Um, the prime form of comedy back then. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. It doesn't stop. Like, I mean, that was, like, 80% of, like, what, Tumblr and Twitter back then? Oh, yeah. And. How dare you remind me of Tumblr? I know. Trust me, I didn't feel good saying it. (laughs) And, uh, so, for me, as someone who was somewhat close to her age, I think, what, I think I'm about six years younger than her. Mm-hmm. To me, that doesn't sound out of the ordinary. However, I feel like for her family and her to show that to them, it does sound like perhaps like a mental break. Yeah. Maybe not quite bi- bipolar disorder because of no diagnosis, but it does sound somewhat like a mental break. Uh However, okay, so we're back on Wednesday, September 16th, 2009. So she's there in Malibu. She's get, talking to the valet. The valet goes to 
park the car um, that was in front of her. And he, when he returns, she had gotten out of her car and he kind of got, he had gotten the impression that like, you know, something was off. Um, she had gotten in his car and was starting to look through his CDs and she started talking about avenging the death of Michael Jackson and he thought she might just be a little eccentric, right? Yeah. So the valet got into her car and parked it. So, um, he did ask her if she was okay and to please get out of the car and she did and she walked into the restaurant. So, like, it wasn't any sort of, like, altercation, right? Yeah. It was more of, like, hey, can you get out of my car? Because, like, this is weird. <laughs> and she was, like, I brown. Like, you know, some weird people do. It's the most terrifying thing if you're in L.A., but at the same time, I get it. Um, so he was really, like, are you okay? You want to? But she was okay to drive herself to Joffrey's. So my trace was sat at a a table for one. She ordered a cocktail and like a $65 Kobe steak. And the cocktail was an ocean breeze. Her bill was $89. Okay. Of course it was an ocean breeze. I mean, continue. You're in Malibu. Malibu. (laughs) So she ends up getting caught up in a conversation of a table of other restaurant patrons and basically like invited herself to sit down with them. And it wasn't like unwanted. She made some like bizarre statements. For example, like she was from Mars, but then the others at the table decided to play along cause she wasn't threatening and they weren't worried about having their dinner disrupted. Um, so they left. And when she went to leave too, she, was like didn't they pay for my meal and the manager was like no and she was like oh busted so what am I going to do about this and um, the manager basically um, she emptied her pockets and she was like I don't have any money and the manager saw like kind of a joint in her pocket and he's eyeing her suspiciously and they call her great grandmother who is willing to give them her credit card numbers over the phone but they were like well we require a signature and I was like that's the biggest bullshit I've ever heard in my life okay I could sign Titus Andronicus on that thing and they'll take it they don't look at signatures I mean, I, you know, was an assistant for, like, a long time, and I used to go pick up shit from my bosses all the time, like, just anything, you know, food, you could shipment, sign... shit like that. And I would sign for them all the time, and I didn't even try, it's like I even tried to, like, forge their signature. No, Sometimes only... I just would, like, sign my own name just because I would straight up forget, and it was taken every single time. It oh, does yeah. not matter. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. It does not matter if you're, you write I don't know. Banana Republic. It's just security theater. Until it's disputed, it doesn't matter. Theater. That's great. Yes. And so them being like, we won't take this money that we're being offered. 
because we don't have her signature is the biggest bullshit I've ever heard. So this That's is so the dumb. first problem. It's like she can just literally authorize and be like, I authorize my fucking, you know, I'll granddaughter c- to sign for me. Yeah, That's I was it. like, I'll come tomorrow to sign it. Yeah. You know? Um, so because there was the joint, somebody called the police. Okay. 2010. It's not legal yet. They say, we have a guest here who is refusing to pay her bill. A lie. And yeah. she sounds really crazy. She may be on drugs or something. What? I have to say, I worked at Cracker Barrel for five years in multiple cities in Little Rock. They don't know what somebody on drugs is like. Yeah. And also, it's like, presumably, the joint is clearly unsmoked. Yeah, you know? like... So, it, clearly, she's not... Mm, <laughs> she's... Packed. Just because she said something a little weird does not mean that she is a threat. She is not a threat. If anyone, she's a threat to herself. Yeah. This is the, hey, can I mean, you give her a ride home? Yeah. I mean, as if there's like there's not like plenty of just weird people in LA who say weird shit all the time. Literally, does not automatically mean that they're like it's like it's it's fucking Southern California. It's Malibu. Bunch of rich, crazy people live there, and like they're fucking high all the time. It's cocaine, and you know, yeah. uh, I don't know what else rich people do, but it's cocaine hours over there, baby. So you know. Um, cocaine o'clock every time. I know. It's like, I'm just like, you're I'm, really gonna give a shit about this girl carrying a joint in your restaurant and like saying a few weird things when I'm sure like some celebrity comes through and like high on who knows what and drunk and probably has pissed on your property before. Like, come on. I know, and I'm like, I'm baffled by this because unless she's taken a tire iron to your window, unnecessary. Yeah. Un- fucking necessary and yes the fact that, that the grandma was me. trying to pay really pisses me off also it's like you can't me off. sit there and say that she was actually going to leave without trying to pay at all like yeah. just ugh. the grandmother was still on the line at about 9 p.m when the deputies i'm gonna name them frank bauer armando luriero i'm not really sure because i've never seen all of those vowels put together and john mckay they arrive because the manager described my Teresa's strange behavior why were the police involved why not call somebody to come get her if that's the case yeah you really have the grandma on the line like and you've had her on the line apparently now for a while like you why did you not just her? make sure someone comes to pick her up you didn't tell her, hey, we're going to call the police on her because she's acting yeah. a little kooky. She could then sign then. Just be like, get over here. She's going to stay here until someone arrives. Pick her up and you can sign then. Like, so stupid. So dumb. Okay. So one of them got on the phone with Mildred, then gave the phone to Maitrice. And she sounded totally unfazed by the trouble she was in which really shouldn't have been trouble yeah mildred said to her (laughs) you put that phone close to your ear they're getting ready to take your black ass to jail amazing mildred for 200 because she is trying 
to tell her how serious this is. But Maitreese, she's not okay right now. She's not okay. She is not on planet Earth. And that's, like, basically, I don't want to say that's okay. Basically, she is in the care of the wrong people. She is in the care of people who are going to harm her. And nobody has her best interest in mind. And unfortunately, what I think really sucks is you've got these terrible people at a restaurant who were like, this is a black woman who are say- who's saying all of these things about, you know, I'm going to avenge Michael Jackson. I'm going to, I'm from Mars, blah, blah, blah. She must be a threat. If it's not, no, it's not. <laughs> But it's not like she's saying it's not like she's saying anything violent. It's not like she's like like, you know, rambling about anything anything remotely violent either to herself or people. It's like claiming to be an alien from Mars does not mean you're like it's like it's a, it does not mean she's about to like, I don't know, she up to like murder everybody in the bar or some shit. It's like Exactly. She was so like easygoing that a table of seven was comfortable enough to have her sit there the whole time. Yeah. And honestly, really, they should have been like, okay, we'll take you to a drunk tank. You can sleep it off. And after that, it'll be fine. Right? So, but Mildred kind of, I think she had a feeling. And so she she hangs up and she calls her granddaughter, Latisse Sutton. Sorry, yeah, because she had remarried. So Latisse Sutton is the mother of of my trees. Um, and told her what happened. So these police officers, I believe they're deputies. Yeah, yeah, they were deputies of the Lost Hills Sheriff's Station, McKay and Brower. They searched Maitrice's cluttered car. They couldn't, or they didn't find, though they didn't report finding her cell phone, money, or wallet stowed in the Civic, they did discover her driver's license along with marijuana scraps and partially finished bottles of booze. Allegedly. I'm going to say allegedly because if you don't find her cell phone money or wallet that was in there, then I don't believe that you found that. Um, Yeah. According to Brower, he informed their arresting deputy, Lou Riero, that Mitrice was possibly drunk, making odd statements. And for this reason, Brower says... He was instructed to administer a field sobriety test. Brower checked Maitrice's eyes and pulse. She was sober. He asked what Maitrice, he asked Maitrice why she was at Joffrey's, and she told him she'd been drawn to the lights. Was she on medication? No. And had she ever been placed on a 72-hour hold for psychological evaluation? No. So, they're going through a car. They don't cough up her wallet to just pay the restaurant so she could go home. I'm not, I mean, I'm not surprised. No, me either. Me either. Like, I'm I'm sitting here like... I mean, it's like, of course it should end there, but why would it end there when you can make it so much worse? Why not escalate? It's like... Says the police. It's shocking to me that... Even after all this time and all of my mistrust to police and that I, I get shocked when police do the right thing. 
Oh, yeah. And these cases. So, this would have been, like, the perfect situation for calling somebody that wasn't the police, right? Yeah. So, earlier I spoke about how defunding the police and spreading the funds among different departments that were better capable at handling specific situations would be best. This is the perfect situation for calling somebody who could handle a mental health case. So perhaps Mm. an officer and a mental health professional. But no such options existed and also still don't. So we're going to get messy, okay? Because why does it take three deputies from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department to come speak to a young black woman who the restaurant manager described as a little too euphoric, a little odd. They even breathalyzed her, and she was still sober. But they still arrested her on defrauding an innkeeper and possession of marijuana. Marijuana. how... Sorry, how was she defrauding an innkeeper? Because she didn't pay her bill. Even though they found her money and lied. Oh, God. I mean, I'm not, I, mean I don't, I'm not surprised, but. Yeah, they found God. less of an ounce of marijuana in her car. She was arrested for possession. Um, yeah, I'm bullshit. I mean, it would have been bullshit even if it was longer, or not longer, but it, was, it would have been bullshit even if it was more marijuana because it's just, it's always been fucking bullshit. But especially yeah. for back, you know, back then, like less than, you know, it was less than, less than an ounce. Like, like, come the fuck on. No, I, yeah, I believe you can't be arrested at that time from yeah. less than an ounce. So while they could have just taken her in for a psychiatric evaluation, she was arrested because it was the easier option. Was it? Mm. Other than like calling someone to come get her, and then she's gonna be your problem anymore. Like you don't have to fill out just. I I, I mean, oh. I'm not gonna pretend I know the answer here exactly, but I feel like it's gonna be less paperwork to just let somebody's like don't mom come pick someone up than to bring somebody in, and I just feel like it's gonna be more paperwork for you we're gonna as a cop to bring someone in. Okay, we're, great. We're gonna talk about the paperwork. You're gonna lose <sighs> your wig. Is all Love I'm it. saying. Okay. The restaurant did not end up pressing charges against she, Matrice. God, then why did you call? Oh, God, God. For $89. <laughs> so her car gets impounded along with all of her personal belongings inside, including the phone, purse, and ATM cards. The deputies drove her to the Lost Hills Sheriff's Station, which is an additional 20-minute drive north. Of Malibu. So not only was she 40 minutes away from home at Joffrey's, she was an additional 20 minutes away from Joffrey's at the Lost Hill Sheriff's Station. So that is an hour drive away from yeah. home. And um, in 2010, Uber was launched in uh, San Francisco, and this is 2009. So she couldn't just call up Uber. Also, she didn't have her phone. What's she yeah. going to do? So anyway, she was booked at 11 p.m. 
According to the station logbook, Mitrice makes four calls. She told the deputies they were to her great-grandmothers, but the calls weren't recorded due to faulty recording equipment. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Oh. Naturally. Oh, and the and Mildred says she didn't get any calls that night. The phone company proved that there's no record of those calls. Awesome. Lovely. Mm-hmm. So, Latisse calls... Um, I just can't. Latisse calls and talks to one of the people who work there. And she asks them, when will you release Maitreese? If she's going to be locked up all night, she might as well let her 10-year-old daughter, Maya, sleep rather than bring her up to the station to wait until sunrise and she actually thought a night in jail might be a dose of like tough love a chance for Maitreese to think it over if she was really in like you know some sort of incident like that actually might be a safe place for her um so there was a deputy on the phone and that deputy assured Latisse that Maitreese would be safe at the station um, Latisse said, sure. I, th- I think the only way I will come and get her tonight is if you guys are going to release her tonight. She definitely, she's not from the area, and I would hate to wake up to a morning report, girl lost somewhere with her head chopped off. And you can hear her saying this, and she's kind of making light of it. She's like, like, I don't want that to happen. So if you're not going to release her tonight... I will come in the morning and I will come and get her. Yeah. So if you release her tonight, basically like call, call me and I will come and get her. Um, so. I feel so bad for this fucking grandma. Uh, well, that was her mother. Latisse, oh, not, uh, oh my gosh. Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> like, so I feel so bad for both of them. The mom yeah, and the grandma, yeah. like God. No, I feel so I feel so bad for this whole family. Because like, okay, so if like they're lot, doing their best. Yeah, they were like we are actually working with you. We're trying to make it like just tell us what we need to do. We'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um so basically like if law enforcement officers find someone that is mentally unstable, they can del- like detain a person as a possible 5150, which is the official code, as a person um, who is a danger to oneself or others. So in that scenario, an officer will either put the person on a watch commander hold or, if necessary, send them to a facility for 72-hour um, evaluation. Both instances call for extra time and paperwork, or even a trip to a hospital. So, the arresting deputy, Luriero, he didn't want to mention any of that unusual behavior or odd statements in the arrest report. Um, So, Maitreese was just simply charged with defrauding an innkeeper in possession of marijuana. And since her record was clean, keeping her locked up could have been a violation of policy. My, oh, oh yeah. 
Oh, that hurt, right? You said yeah. paperwork. <laughs> we, we don't work hard here. Yeah. I hate it. Maitreese didn't call her mom from jail. The only number she had memorized was her great-grandmother Mildred's. Logbook showed that Mildred never got the call. Um, or sorry, the phone company showed that Mildred never got the call. My thinking is that she misremembered it. Because um, it's like I like what is it when you only get like obviously a certain number of calls like what does that mean like if you call a number and you fuck it up do you get a call again? Well, it's a payphone. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. But I was like, if she doesn't have any money, who gave her the money? Yeah. Um. So, figuring that Maitreese would sleep through the night, Latisse waited until 5.35 the next morning to phone the station. She reached the jailer, Sharon Cummings, who informed her that Maitreese wasn't there. Cummings knew that Maitreese's car was still in the impound yard and that nobody was coming to pick her up. She also knew that Maitreese had no personal items besides her license and two keys that were in her pocket. Cummings had maintained that Maitreese declined an offer to stay in the lobby and said she was going to meet friends. The jailer released Maitreese at 12.15 a.m. on a Thursday, 40 miles from home, with no cell phone, no money, and no means of transportation. The closest open businesses were over a mile away, out of view, and nothing in between but empty sidewalks and commercial buildings that were shut down at night. What, like, what the hell friends did you think she was going to meet at, like, ass a.m. on a Thursday <laughs> night with no phone with which to con? Like, do you think she was, like, texting these friends in the jail cell being like, hey, bud, let's meet up on, like, on, like, what phone? Like, like how would she have ranged this? She was texting on the wall. Oh, my God. She was using the blocks on the wall as a keypad. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like an what? SOS. So anyway, after talking to the jailer, Latisse calls the station again and speaks with Deputy Kenneth Bonegardner. That's a B-O-M. Sorry, guys. Not Bonegardner. Otherwise, I'd make so many jokes. Uh, I, I was like, uh, <laughs> hold on. Oh, we got it. Oh, that. Oh. <laughs> We're going to have to hold, hold for jokes. Um, <laughs> hold the bone down. <laughs> bone down. We're going to garden up these bones. Um, <laughs> so she... <laughs> we got to pause. Pause for laughs. <laughs> okay. Deputy Kenneth Nobody. Latisse asks, how long can you... Before you can file a missing persons report... Is it 24 or 48 hours? And he replied that, and this is his words, it depends on the circumstances. Normally, I wouldn't recommend doing one that soon. Um, he didn't know about Maitreese's arrest or release, so Latrice let him know. And she asked about the time frame again. And he said, I guess 24 hours would be reasonable, 
But if there were, if there would be some mitigating factors, you know, you would suspect maybe something is not quite right. So that was from Baumgartner. So Latisse is like, she's not from there. She doesn't know the area. She's never been there before. And that's fair. I've been to Malibu once. Like, I, and I'm an Angelino. Yeah. I am a cold heart Angelino. Like, I've been there once. Nobody's trekking up there. Like, I can no, think of no. some. There's so many places in Los Angeles I've never been, and I don't want to go. No, I mean, I know where, I know, I know my area, and it, and it's safe, and it's safe here, and, um, um, I mean, I, I like to be, I like to be my safe zone. Yeah, like, um, and also, Malibu's just full of, like, rich people, and rich people are frankly scary, like, they're either, you know, murderers, or they're ashes. cocaine addicts, per my <laughs> previous observation, so don't go to Malibu. Uh, I just, like... Like, I've never been to Brentwood. I don't need to go. I don't want to go. I'm staying in my, like, you know, shabby side of town, and it's cool. So, her saying she doesn't know the area, don't be like, she's from Los Angeles. She would know where she is. Oh, my God. No, she wouldn't. Like, I don't know how people lived without Google Maps. Jesus. So, anyway, I described to you how she was released, too. In the middle of the fucking night. Ugh. I, I, I just, I don't understand how, like, sorry, I'm so annoyed at it. I can't even, like, think of words. It's like, how is that safe or sane? It's you not. Know, it's like, I, it's like, I feel like it's, you should be able to, be like, ask for, like, okay, where are you meeting with your friends? What time did you agree on? Who are they? Just so you can, like, confirm that they are actually, especially when, like, you were brought in to pick up this person in the first place because, you know, you were told that they seemed a little erratic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, presumably that behavior didn't change, you know, somehow magically in the past two hours this has been going on. So presumably she must be still saying, like, some other little bit you know weird yeah. not entirely normal sane shit and so like clearly that is a person who is not saying things that are real and so you should not then assume that like it's automatically real that she's meeting up with a bunch of friends at 12 something a.m way far from home it just like it, especially when she doesn't have any means to contact them right and again it's the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere, she has no purse, no phone, not even a jacket, and she is walking towards the Santa Monica Mountains. That is just impossible to navigate in the sunlight. Like, that is hiking gears, guys. It would take you six hours to walk 16 miles through the mountains back to Mount Malibu. Yeah. And that's if you had the right equipment, knew where you were going. And nobody came across you. And nobody knows where she planned to go that night. Nobody knew what she was going to do. So, we shall continue. We do know she did not reach her destination because the title of this episode is The Death of Mike Therese Richardson. So this is not going to end the way we wanted to. Um, but, so, Baumgarten did have 
One last thing to say. He would say, I would probably wait till early this morning. If she doesn't turn up, you can certainly call. And Latisse tells him that she believed her daughter to be highly depressed or in a depressive state. And that tracks with everything we've heard. And mm-hmm. Baumgarten tried to soothe her and suggest, why don't you wait a couple hours and give us some time? And he was going to make sure Maitrice wasn't asleep in the lobby. And why don't you give us a call back in a couple of hours? And if she has not shown up or made contact with you, then we can do something for you. So my impression in this moment is this guy just like got to work and is like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's this pile of shit I've just waded into. Here we go again. Who <laughs> fucked up? Um, so about an hour later, so at 6.30 a.m., the Lost Hills receives a call from a guy named Bill Smith. And before you think he's fake, he is a retired KTLA reporter who lives <laughs> in Montanito. Don't and... let Google tell me the truth. <laughs> I know when I was like, Bill Smith? Get out of here. You're not real. Um, but it's basically a community of like horse properties and private hiking trails. And it's... Of course. It's like about six miles west of the station, and it's at the bottom of Dark Canyon. And he says that they had a prowler walking around. And every time like somebody says they had a prowler, I think raccoons. <laughs> Not people. Yes. And so, like, I think that's because I grew up in the Just South. Not... And then when people yeah. say prowler, I'm assuming raccoons because that's what people meant when they said prowlers it doesn't sound like you're referring to a human being when you say prowler because it feels like if you're going to say like there's a human being on my property i'd be like there's a fucking human being on my property looks like there's somebody walking around i don't know how you should say it a prowler that does sound like it's like a raccoon or like uh, i don't know a raunchy possum like who knows like (laughs) If I, you know what, one day I'm going to come prowl for you, but I'll be dressed as Nosferatu. No, please come dressed as a raccoon. I've had very good experience with raccoons outside my window at in the dark of night, so that's my preference. That's why I don't want to ruin it for you. I'm going to be Nosferatu. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that was an ugly laugh, and I love doing it. <laughs> okay. <a> side chat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, back to Bill Smith. So he says verbatim, this is the cited quote. We had a parlor walking around through the backyard here, but we don't know what the situation was. Um, he then described the trespasser as a slim black woman with Afro hair. My did have her hair styled in an Afro at the time of her disappearance. Um, so Smith recounted, how he'd opened his window and asked the woman if she was okay. She said, I'm just resting. So Smith goes to another window to get a clearer glimpse, but the woman was gone. Lost Hill sends a cruiser to the house, but they weren't able to find anyone. Um, deputies did not issue a bolo. They did not. Oh, for about six and a half hours. 
which of course by then it was too late. My trace was gone. Um, Bolo is a be on the lookout just in case if anyone did not know what that meant. Um, I did not. Well, so I thank you. I am here for you because I'm sure you've heard it many times and had no idea what Bolo was. <laughs> just thought it was that snappy necktie with the the big old piece of turquoise because that's also oh, a Bolo. Yeah. A sexy trend. Uh, yeah, I want to bring it back. But, like, for me. <laughs> no one else. No one else. Um, so, the part about this that kind of makes me mad. I feel like when Lost Till Santa Cruiser, if I were my trees in this situation, I'd get out of Dodge. Oh, yeah. Me, police, no, no. Like, and she had just been released by them. And she had just barely, like, okay, I'm sorry. September nights are really, really cold, especially in the Santa Monica Mountains. And she had no jacket. It is early morning. What did she do to stay warm? I am baffled that she's even okay at this moment. And then going into the day, she's about to go into extreme heat. This is the desert. Oh, yeah. She's not going to make it. No. Mm. Okay, I'm fine. This is just sad. Okay. Anyway. So Smith did what he could. He, you know, called her in. He didn't know she was missing. Um... So he did actually put something on and go out. He went and investigated, but she was gone and she disappeared. He assumed into the mountains beyond his home. And so basically from the beginning, the sheriff's department had completely just farted this investigation. I wouldn't even say botched. I wouldn't say mismanaged. It was a big, gigantic, nasty fart. And because not only are they responsible for her disappearance, it is quickly clear that they just didn't give a damn. Mm-hmm. Mitrice Richardson was their responsibility. The minute that they became involved in the situation, they were responsible for her when they took her into custody and they were responsible for her to get home safely. You don't just release somebody into the wild and say, well, so long. Like. Yeah. What was the what was the closest business? Uh, it was like a mile away. Yeah, no. That's like, I mean, that's not an easy walk. At, at, at like nighttime. You know what I mean? Like, especially when you don't know the area. That's, that's just, no, it's all bad. And her car was impounded with all of her things 15 miles yeah. away. They didn't even drive her to her car. Yeah. And so um so they go to Mitrice's car at the impound and they find those personal items, her cell phone, they find her wallet with her cards. She had $2000 in her account. She could pay for the meal. Yep. And they also found her diary in the car. One of her last entries 
they found that it was likely she hadn't slept for multiple days, which definitely could have contributed to this manic behavior. And that's why yeah. a lot of people think that this was the beginning of the signs of bipolar, but she could have also been in a delirious state. Yeah. Um, so Latisse is frantically calling the sheriff's department, trying to just file this missing persons report. And Maitrice's missing persons case was transferred to the LAPD because she was from LA, like Los Angeles. They had better resources for searches, which is bonkers. Like, yeah. you're the one with the mountains. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but LAPD's an hour away. And I know, like, responsibilities are divided between LAPD and LASD. I don't give a fuck. Find the girl. Work together. Yeah. Stop the pissing contests. We're done with them. Like, stop it. Just work together. <laughs> Stick them all in a large t-shirt and teach them about teamwork. I swear to God. Like, this is another reason the defunding needs to happen. Is because learn to work together. It's really not that complex. It doesn't matter who brings it in. The team I mean, there's just There's just too many... Uh, cops that are basically just walking egos and that's what everything is about for them and they just become cops because they just want to be relatively above the law at least the closest they can get to it and it's just it's it's helpful for exactly situations like this where you're like you need to stop worrying about your fucking self and pissing on each other and like do your job before this girl is dead ugh it's so frustrating. Uh, so the family is promised like these two massive searches um, that would begin on Saturday, September the 19th. So that's three days after her disappearance. And they that they were going to pull out all the stops using helicopters, search dogs, every resource available. So the day arrives, mm-hmm. but then there were just four deputies canvassing some neighborhoods in the area. What the fuck? Maitrice has been missing for three days at this point, and she has, if she survived at this point, she has made it through three and a half nights of bitter cold, and then three days of heat. It is hot in September. It's hot. Yeah. It was hot in fucking January a couple days ago. Oh, yeah. upset. 80s. Yeah. And when your body can't take that kind of extreme heat. In extreme cold, and it's, like, that kind of way, like, that's exposure. Especially, I'm assuming that she's not drinking any water, because, oh, like, definitely. She, she has nothing. She, she has, has nothing. nothing. She obviously was not stepping in, in any, like, businesses. Um, Unless she like, found she, a she creek. Would, I guess. Yeah, and even then, that, like, could be potentially dangerous for other reasons. Yeah. 100. My she's God. not eating. So, and she's yeah. not sleeping. I am just beyond this. Um, So the search on the 19th ended before it even got dark. I think it lasted a total of eight hours. What is so hilarious to me is that it was meant to begin again on the 20th. It never did. It was a total joke. 
Um, they were convinced that the police were just not interested in finding her. And this is why so many people think the police were involved in her disappearance. So they were unable to rely on the authorities and they took matters in their own hands and I'm so proud of them for doing it. So they made flyers. They spent days passing them out. They were standing on the side of the highway, like screaming at cars. But I mean, like, you know, that's brave. It's brave. Uh, no one will ever slow down to look, but that's super brave. Well, ten, I, I what, suck it. 11 years ago? Maybe. Car, it I was less congested. Like, and especially in those, like, red lights and stuff, I'll, I'll totally look. Like, I'll try to act like I'm not looking, but then I'll be like, what is it? Say? <laughs> Help find a missing person? Excuse me. Oh. I will go home and Google. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing? Totally will. Um. But that's me. That's me as a human being being nosy as fuck. <laughs> uh, if it's like a panhandler or something like that, I'm in the third lane. I can't help you. But... Uh, the third lane, I can't help you. Yeah, like, oh. you're over there and I'm over here and what am I supposed to do? Get killed? Like, you know, like, LA drivers are not going to stop for, like, a human body. No, no. They don't care. Um... So, it's like the sheriff's office, like, kind of realized how bad this disappearance look, could look for them. And they began to fiercely defend their conduct on the night of her disappearance, which is oh, great. a move. Like, or you could just, I don't know, help. Or you could apologize. Yeah. Like, both excellent options. Do both of them apologize and then help. Like, that's the thing, is I don't understand why they just couldn't just be like, you know, maybe we didn't do the right thing, and we missed this, and we're sorry, and we're here to do this. But, like... You're worried about your reputation while these people are worried about, you know, reputation? this woman's life. Yeah, we're, like, like, we're over here like, reputation, my butthole. Um, so... Steve Whitmore, he is an L.A. County Sheriff's Department spokesman. He says that she was lucid and didn't exhibit any mental problems. I hate how he said that. Um, He then refers to the sobriety test that she had taken at the restaurant. Then why was she arrested? Okay, moving on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Latisse doesn't believe it. Uh, The reason the police had been called in the first place was because the restaurant manager believed something was wrong with my trees. People, multiple people backed this up. Latrice would later say, or Latisse, I'm sorry, Latisse would later say, if the officer saw her behavior and decided to administer a field sobriety test, he must have realized something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then the excuse the sheriff's department or multiple excuses i'm sorry that they came up with for letting my trees go it's just it's like a chia pet it just yeah. evolves over time okay they first <laughs> claimed like the jail was too full which is bogus and then they said there was no reason to keep her there even though they told latisse that they wouldn't release her until morning otherwise she would have come and got her and then finally a jailer used the excuse that they are not a babysitting service. 
Like, let's talk about what the fuck. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Is it not, like, what's the motto? Is it, like, to serve and protect or some shit? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, she so does serve say and that. protect. She does say that. They hired a civil rights activist lawyer. And if I wrote this down somewhere else, I feel really, really bad. Um, because I do not remember his name. Uh, but he says if her name was Spears or Lohan, it would be front page news. Everyone would be searching. But because she is a young black woman, nobody gives a damn. And I was like, Amen. That's it. Yep. Um, you thought you could get away with this one. And guess what? You're not. And I'm so, like, thankful to the Richardson family, to Latisse for never giving up on this because, and never, and not letting the Lost Souls police get away with it, like, getting in their faces yep. and being like, what the fuck? What did you do to my kid? Yeah. You were supposed to protect and serve, and you did neither. So, we're going to... We're going to talk about Sheriff Lee Baca. We have not had a good history of sheriffs. We have a terrible one now. Um, If you were to look him up, you would find that he is a uh, bad cop. Um, good cop, bad cop. We just keep going with bad, 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 bad cop. Um, he was involved in multiple scandals during his time as sheriff, including lying to the FBI about the abuse of inmates in L.A. County jails, such Perfect. like that. So, Of course. In February of 2020, though, he did begin a year... A three-year sentence in federal correction institution, Latuna, a low-security prison outside of El Paso, Texas, for his role in obstructing um, this inquiry uh, that we will discuss in a second. And then there's Paul Tanaka. He was second in command at the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. And he was also sentenced to five years in prison for obstructing the same investigation. Tanaka also had ties to a white supremacist gang, the Linwood Vikings, which boggles me, but okay. Uh, Baca was never interested in Maitreza's case, and he wanted nothing to do with her family. He would constantly, just constantly dodge their... Um, inquiries, their requests for information, uh, security footage, the deputies would follow his lead. And so he lied, he gaslit his fa- her family, and he insisted that the department never did anything wrong. So an example is he said that there was no security footage, but really what there was is there was no security footage outside. There was security there was security footage of her inside. Of course, yeah. Things like that. Um, so, those two... 
are in prison now. Yeah, and I'm like, hilarious, guys. Hilarious that you had to put him in Texas because, you know, if you put him anywhere in California, most likely you're going to find someone who's going to try to murder him. Honestly, most likely you're going to... I'm surprised. Yeah. Let's see how let's see how it goes. But the fact that he got a three year sentence um lying to the FBI about abuse of inmates is just bananas. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, Michael uh... Michael Richardson, who is my Teresa's father, her biological father, she also has a stepfather. Um he was super upset about the lack of progress regarding the investigation. It does often seem like Latrice took the the reins, if you will, but Michael mm-hmm. Richardson was a part of it. He decided, um, like, it was not enough. He called the mayor of Malibu, Andy Stern, and demanded that more be done, um, Stern was not particularly interested in what Michael had to say and told him he was on the way to a meeting and did not have time to talk. Um, Stern was also a Malibu real estate magnate, 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 whose properties went for millions of dollars. Michael called him on a real estate business number, and but this time told him he was a famous football player interested in purchasing one of Stern's properties. Genius. Amazing. I love that. Of course, that finally got his attention. He offered to cancel a meeting. He had planned and come to meet him right away. When Stern realized who Michael was, he was mortified. A story like this would be really bad for him as mayor. Now, in 2009, as a result of Michael effort, Michael's efforts, the city of Malibu authorized a $15,000 reward for anybody, anybody with information regarding Mitrice Richardson's disappearance and current whereabouts. So finally, we get a real search. On January 10th, 2010... The Los Angeles Sheriff's Department finally conducted the kind of search Mitrice's family have been ho- had been hoping for. One of the most extensive searches for a missing person ever carried out by the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. That included 336 trained searchers scouring 18 square miles of ridges, canyons, trails, horses, etc., Horses. Guess what? Nothing showed up. That gave Michael Richardson hope, though, that she was just still missing. Um, He said that it was a beautiful thing about today is that they didn't find a cadaver. They finally found the lost video footage um, in March 2010. There were so many red flags that you could honestly, like, kill football for a year. Uh, Latisse could tell that Maitreese, she wasn't herself. She was, she was acting manic, honestly. Like, she was acting either manic or she was having a nervous breakdown. And Maitreese was inside of her cell and she was struggling. She was acting erratic. Um... She was grabbing at a door and swinging back and forth. 
and she was pulling at the back of her hair. And so for Latisse, like, that's more evident that her daughter was really, really suffering that night. And the deputies had no, con- like, no compassion. Yeah. So due to that information from LASD, it being incomplete that the actual like arresting report didn't have that their true actions like what actually happened that night it had never actually been revealed so Latisse filed a negligence and wrongful death lawsuit against LA uh, County and the Sheriff's Department officials the main reason for filing the lawsuit she said was to give them the right to demand information about the night Maitrice was arrested. Um, she said the lawsuit would allow me to obtain every single document in the hands of um, the LAPD and to depose every officer and detective involved. Um, August of 9th of 2010, Maitrice is found. Uh, I was like just waiting for you to say whether or not I was alive or dead. I'm assuming dead. Dead. Yeah, of course. She is found dead. So the rangers found the corpse shortly past noon. They were deep in Dark Canyon on the northern side of the Santa Monica Mountains. Um, They were actually there inspecting a marijuana farm that had been allegedly run by a Mexican cartel. They were, you know, fairly familiar with the farm, just over, um, like, just over a year earlier, the LASD had flown over Dark Canyon and sparted, sparted? Wow. Spotted it, um, along with a pair of other in the Malibu region. After the flyover, the farms were raided, and as expected, the growers were absent, and a thousand plants were uprooted in Dark Canyon alone. So Dark Canyon, it's a sensible place for a pot farm. Remember, this is 2010, before it was totally legal here. It's really close to Calabasas. It's less than eight miles from the 101 freeway, Mm-hmm. but Familiar. it's very rugged and seldom traveled. It's kind of pulled in by private and federal land, and it begins at the top of Piuma Road and descends from south to north with um, Dark Creek running at the length of the canyon bottom. So besides a like kind of a blip, of the Santa Monica Mountains backbone trail that crosses part of like the lower drainage, there's not an official footpath. In the wet season, poison oak is unavoidable, and year round, the narrow canyon is rife with live oaks and scratchy laurel sumacs. So you kind of just don't go to Dark Creek. You have to like delight. hop, climb, and concentrate. So, 
On this summer day, the rangers were making sure that the operation had remained defunct, and some of the equipment was lying around. It was like hundreds of feet of garden hoses that had once siphoned creek water, um, but all of it was gone. Satisfied that the growers hadn't replanted, the rangers headed downstream, and as they were going around a series of boulders, they detoured through a wide clearing of about 60 feet upslope from a creek bed. Then they noticed a skull, and beneath the leaf, debris, and dirt, a semi-decomposed naked body. The men radioed State Park's dispatch, which alerted Lost Hill Sheriff Station. Um, It was up to the deputies to call the coroner and head to Dark Canyon, and the guard and guard the remains. Soon, everyone's hunch was confirmed. It was the body of Maitreese Richardson. She had disappeared the year prior. And finally, it seemed the case of the missing woman might be closed. However, I scrolled too fast. That's like the tension. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god. I'm just waiting here. So, the area that they were searching is about eight miles from the station. About two miles from Bill Smith's home, uh, where my trees had last been seen alive. Uh, a seven-person team from the coroner's office arrived in the expectation that they would be required to follow the standard protocol for when a body is found, photographing the remains, inspecting the site for clues, and establishing a crime scene was put there. But guess what? It wasn't. We have seen (laughs) how many procedural shows in our lives. 10, 10 million, right? What yes. ha- what happens when the coroner's office and the forensic teams get to a body? They take their pictures and then they get their stuff and they do some dusting and then they like do this and then the be- the boys bag it up all like it was and then they start scouting around and being like clues 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 and then detectives are like detect 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 and then it's like quippy quote quippy quote back right perfect yes Uh nailed it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so detectives were airlifted to the location of the remains and the coroner's team were not and uh, I don't think they actually were ever airlifted down which is not how a crime scene is ever handled so Maitreese's family were notified that the remains had been found and they likely belonged to Mm -hmm. Maitreese when the family asked if they could come to the site however The deputy on the phone was rude. No shocker. Of course. And they were like, "It's there's no point in coming. And Lutis is like, yes, it is. (laughs) She's like, how? 
how the you know. <laughs> anyway, she asked and about how they would treat the site. Would they be treating it as a crime scene? And when they would be removing her daughter's body. And the deputy told her that the area was secured and treated like a crime scene. And the remains would be airlifted out in the morning because it was too dark to take them that evening. Do you think that's what happened? No, no, I'm going to guess no. That would be my bet. Oh, yeah. Because instead of doing that. The deputies haphazardly gathered up the remains they could find, put them in the helicopter, and flew back to the station. Unsurprisingly, they didn't look that hard because many bones were missing. The coroner's officer, the coroner's office was shocked. Probably, I would say, shooketh at the actions of the sheriff's department. Um. I believe the LA Times reported that the coroner was insisted that he was very clear with the sheriff's officials regarding how the remains should be handled and could not think of another case in which a pol- like a police agency had moved entire skeletal remains without coroner's approval. Yeah. So August 13th, Sheriff Baca, Mr. Texas Jail Hand, <laughs> he makes a statement announcing the body had been found in the ravine that was was Maitrice Richardson. He said that we have no indication of homicide at this point. Um, and he said that he didn't believe that the remains are capable of telling us a story. Um, he also said that they only found a skull and some bones, which was untrue. They had, in fact, also found a large portion of mummified remains. Um, so Latisse was able to convince Baca to let her and a small group of close friends go to the scene. While they were there, they set up a small memorial. You can actually see a photo of it. It's delightful. I'm probably going to put it on the Instagram because... I say delightful as in they finally closed that. They knew where she was. Um, her mother often said like she knew that light, Mitrice's light was out, but she still had to bring her home. And so mm-hmm. she, in her like expression, you can see her face and she's like, I've done it. I've brought her home. And I, like, it's hard to see, but it's also, like, you did it. Because everyone's eyes are red, and you can see how hard it was to get there. But yeah. But they did it. They never gave up. And that's why I find it delightful. Like, they never gave up. Um... But while they were looking around, they found one of Mitrice's finger bones. So that definitely demonstrated just how well the sheriff's department handled what was there. Um, but I know what you're all thinking right now. Especially Kristen. How the fuck did she get there? If you have to do all of this like special maneuvering just to get there... How did she get there? Why was she naked? Where are her clothes? What's going on? 
I think they did find her clothes. Um, so, like, it's not like they had just somehow, like, decompressed entirely off her body. It's like they... They, they were off. Were, they were off. And elsewhere. So there's, like, a lot of speculation. Uh-huh. Despite LASD saying there was no foul play, which, you know, of course, that's their statement. One LAPD detective told um, LA Magazine... It sounds like someone abducted her, killed her, and at some point dumped her body. And that is the theory I ascribe to. We'll move on. Her clothing was found slightly further up the ravine, and the majority of her remains, and uh, from the majority of her remains, and it didn't show signs of having been removed by animals, suggesting either she did or someone else did. Mm-hmm. Um. There were also some bones, for example, like her femur bone. It was found partway up the ravine. Her hyoid bone, which would have likely broken off if she had been strangled, was never recovered. Uh, oh so the friends and family are also convinced that her death was not an accident. Rhonda Hampton, who Mitrice had been interning for, said, The problem that I have with this case is investigators were too quick to conclude that this was not a murder. They never put out there that this was the possibility of homicide. There is no way my trees could have hiked that canyon. And honestly, I don't believe it either. Like, how yeah. how could she have gotten there? So wait, how far was it from the police station? Six miles. Jesus. And, like, how far from that house? Two. Oh, my God. Um... Especially with, like, no food and, like, no water and, like, not, I assume, like, not the proper shoes and all that shit. She had a pair of Vans on. Yeah, and just the fact that the, uh, I already forget which bone it was, but the one bone was, like, so far with the other ones. It's, like, that seems like somebody just sort of, like, tossed them or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that's the way a body, like, naturally decomposes. I mean, I guess Mm -hmm. something could have dragged the bone away but then presumably you would have seen like the teeth marks of the animal in the correct you know so it's just it's it's suspicious some believe that because part of the body was mummified it may have been buried somewhere else dug up and then dumped in the ravine later oh great perfect uh the official coroner's report called the death the cause of her death undetermined um if they had followed proper procedure they may have been able to make a more solid determination uh, so Latisa Michael filed the wrongful death suit against LASD citing that Maitrice should not have been released from jail that night as she was showing clear signs of mental instability they were mm-hmm. awarded $900,000 which they split equally between them um, Maitrice's family has never faltered in their pursuit of justice so in february 2016 at the time california attorney general kamala harris agreed to open an investigation into her death after receiving a heartfelt letter from michael richardson in which he wrote you see miss harris i look at you and i see my trace richardson a young intelligent smart black and beautiful young lady who busted her butt in school to one day become someone who could be helpful and make a difference. 
And now she's vice president. I'm sorry. I had to make that aside. Um, Wipes teeth. Unfortunately, uh, her office sent a letter a year later saying they couldn't find evidence of wrongdoing in the handling of her case. Um, and they had to end the en- inquiry. He was gravely, Michael was gravely disappointed with the decision and said that they only took interest in cases to gain publicity during her race for the Senate because she was elected in November of 2016. Um, there was another glimmer of hope when the new county sheriff, <laughs> I forgot, <laughs> I wrote this, Alex Villanueva, um, at the memorial service for Maitrice on September 7th, 2019, announced that he would want to assess the whole case from the beginning with a fresh set of eyes, but then Sheriff Villanueva announced that there would not be a new investigation. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so, yeah, like two weeks. No, you hmm. hate that guy. I hate that guy. Just like you guys. Like, it's because... You know how po- you know how police politics work. Both of those instances are cases of like you can't there's something in the water there, you know? Um He said that oh, yeah, Vianuva said there was no reason to rehash a case already subjected to investigation by the uh, state AG's office, the L.A. County District Attorney's office, and the Sheriff's Department internal review, which I think internal reviews are fucking stupid. Um, I, and, oh my God. Because that was Sheriff Baca, like, who had been so neglectful and unhelpful. If you don't have a satisfying answer when there's like there's enough like what like I mean obviously this applies to uh, like a court case this is not the term of the situation but whatever like reasonable doubt equivalent is for like you know a case I guess it's like if it's if there's enough reason to believe that yes maybe this was not just an accident then you're you know then I think you owe it especially considering that this case has already gotten so much attention. I mean, just, I mean, anyone would deserve this, mm-hmm. but like you owe it to the family and to those girls that the cops have fucked over to rule out the possibility of homicide, like definitively, at least semi-definitively, you know? But I mean, so many people, when I've discussed this case with a couple of my crime friends, um, <laughs> sounds like we perpetrate, we say that every time that they've stepped back from investigating, it's the blue shield. And it's so obvious. It's so obvious that you're not even playing fair. And yeah, and disappeared. You don't actually see it. So I didn't want to reference it until now that because I don't quite understand how like it all works out. The, video footage of my leaving shows the deputy leaving after her and there's no like 
Did he talk to her? Did he offer her a ride? Who is that deputy? What was his purpose yeah. for leaving? That's never addressed. There was no ruling him out. So, what conduct? Not only did was she in your custody and your responsibility, that I mean, that's baseline. But something else is there besides the fact of your reputation. And it's so exhausting that cops protect cops. Like, yeah. Disgusting. It's, it's just, it's like, it, it, it's stupid to ever have anything, um, I don't know, just automatic loyalty period to anyone when it's, especially in an organization, organization like, you know, the cops where you're like, I mean, it's like how these fucking people are murderers. Yeah. It's just, um, it's because... like, how can you say you defend justice, but then willingly turn a blind eye to shit that is like, you know, blatantly fucked, like truly fucked. Like, I don't know how you sleep at night. I don't know. It's like the fact that they have a badge does not automatically make them morally and ethically good. Like mm -hmm. that kind of a blind loyalty is useless in any scenario. Yeah. Because and why did they not care? Was it because Matrice was a black woman? Was it because she was a lesbian? Would she have been treated differently because she was a white woman? Woman? Yeah, definitely. Um, Maybe not much differently in this situation, depending on the perpetrator. Um, but there is somebody out there who harmed my trees and they are not held accountable. And we are letting them continue to do that. If it's police who mishandled this case, if it's um, a police officer who harmed my trees and went to lengths to cover that up it or if it's let's say it's some random killer and we don't know about it but how poorly this was handled has not been addressed and the fact that two sh two the sheriff and his deputy who handled it, went to jail for other crimes, is nothing yeah. but a pointer to say, look at this again, take care of it. Mitrice deserves the true justice that all Americans deserve in this situation. Latrice and Michael both deserve it. I... Uh, <laughs> I... It, it, it's just like upsetting because it's like clearly these were not even like these were not upstanding members of law enforcement by any standards and the fact that you know it's like it feels like at every turn people were trying to bury this case and just like hope people would forget about it because they don't like it's like they never want to have to reckon with the fact that you know they shouldn't let her go in the first place they keep just trying to rush the process so they can be done with it. And like by doing it, you're just making it worse and worse and worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you could have just said to her mother, come and get her, please. That's, I find it sinister. I find that something is wrong at that 
police station, somebody knows something, somebody should come forward, and this is why people do not trust police. And this is why this distrust is only going to keep growing. And considering everything that happened last year when the police rioted on people, and when P like, when it has become so evident that the police deeply and truly hate the black population, it is not okay. It is not. And we have cases as far back as this that, well, I mean, this isn't that far back, but I can't, you know, you can't wish this one away. Maitre's lost her life because they didn't think it was worth bothering with. And we continue to see this time and time again. And it is not fair to the black population that we don't call it out. And officers need to look at their colleagues and not brush that off. And to say something. That sort of, I would say, buddy system. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck you guys have going on there. But it's gross and disgusting that you're willing to cover up someone murdering for what? You're willing to harm other Americans for what? Yeah. I mean, for nothing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, it's like, it's, I mean, it's not like you should ever, it's not like there's any excuse, obviously, ever to act like this. But like, it just also seems, if you're going to take the cynical approach, it seems like it's also against yourself, your own self-interest when you're clearly dealing with a family that is not going to stop until they like have the justice that they feel is correct you know what i mean it's like they're not you're not dealing with a family that is willing to sweep under the rug and clearly they've been pretty successful for the most part about i mean obviously it takes a while but you know as long as it takes they've been successful after a matter of time about getting results and so it's just it's like even in your own even if you want to take the cynical view it's like in your own self-interest why aren't you um you know it (laughs) will just do the right thing like at some point do the right thing so that you don't just keep building up the laundry list of like here's all the ways i bungled this fucking case here are all my crimes like at some point it just seems like the best option you have is to just own up i guess Mm -hmm. or do something right or at least try to help and like so that way at least if they can get justice then they'll let you go it's like you know i don't know uh yeah. The whole thing is stupid. No, I agree with you. And I think the best way that police could protect their reputation is owning up to their mistakes and re-evaluating how they allocate their resources, re-evaluating their officers, get ridding, getting rid of those bad apples, getting rid of those people who they have on, um, on their rosters that are you know, trigger happy. And yeah, honestly, there's so much damage done to the American population that it's going to take years to renew trust into yeah. American adults. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like just, I mean, years to, I feel like, to renew trust, but also years to just fix 
any of these issues period because it's like it's it's i mean it's why it's like the whole idea of like reform is difficult because people like this it's like they're the majority and you can't really reform a lot of these people they're just mm -hmm. like you, you know what i mean it's like you need to basically go and hire people who are not going to completely who are you know yeah who are not these personality types so these types of personalities that are you know emotionally corrupt and like you know um willing to <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i get you because i mean that's a whole other bag of worms but that's the same thing we see all the time and you want to trust it but you can't and no i mean they're all fucking i mean a lot of them are corrupt the fact that they're willing to defend this behavior the fact that they're perpetrating this behavior the fact that like they put some like arbitrary idea of like a code above real justice the fact that like obviously above lives um yeah above actual lives um it just it's like an, it's an abuse of power i mean like mm -hmm. i've known a couple of cops in my lifetime like my next door neighbor growing up was a cop and like to no surprise he ended up leaving his wife because like he, he like started going to like wine bars that were aimed at like 20 year olds and like trying to pick up like you know um you know young 20 year olds like leaving his you know behind his like wife and like three kids and, like this I, I just feel like every cop I know has been a bastard to some degree mm -hmm. and that's just like that's just the culture yeah and for those good cops they're the exception and it's yeah. hard to not get dragged down when the entire culture is be as bad as us so you won't turn us in yeah, like, who are you supposed to report your own... Co it's, it's like, if you wanted to report, like, you know, bad behavior that you see or, you know, illegal crap that your other cops are doing, like, who are you supposed to report to? Because most likely the person you're supposed to report to of your superiors is probably also in on it, who probably also buys into that system. Yeah. So there's just so much... There's so much in that argument of defunding that if the ideology were in place in 2009 there is a strong chance i wouldn't say strong chance for sure my Therese richardson would be alive because a mental health professional would have been there and assessed the situation and she would have been able to get the help she needed yeah she wouldn't have been let go in the middle of godforsaken santa monica mountains yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that really is why we do need, like, you know, the cops to be working also with, like, I mean, there should be specifically mental health specialists to deal with these situations mm -hmm. who understand how to handle someone who might be having a breakdown, who might even be able to help, like, at least somewhat, I mean, I don't want to say diagnose exactly, but at least sort of have an idea of, like, what it could be and, like, what the appropriate response might be. Yeah. And, like, it just, I mean, yeah. And, like, all of that, it, it sort of pushes towards, like, de-escalation. Like, the goal always should be de-escalation, mm -hmm. especially with mental health stuff. I mean, anything, really. I mean, all of it. You know what I mean? It's, like, yeah, it, it's, it's all about trying to find the appropriate level response for every situation. And you should never be exceeding that, ever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. people start fucking dying for shit, like they were having a bad day and they forgot their wallet in their car. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, absolutely. I really think you hit it the ball out of the ballpark.
<laughs> the, the ballpark. I know what those are. I know. I was like, sport ball. I'm really bad at this. Um, I, I understood that reference perfectly. <laughs> well, it is almost at the two hour mark and I feel like we could talk about this for like another six. Um, so, yeah. well, first I want to thank you for being on this episode, our first of 2021. And thank you for taking this trek with me as another Angelino into yeah. one of our ugly cases. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, what a shitty case. I'm going to say, even like you first invited me on, and it, it always thought that if you did you know, someone's death, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a fun murder. Like, it's going to be like a, like, you know, whatever they talk about, like a My Favorite Murder or some shit, um, which I've actually never listened to. I probably should. But um, it's fun. I like that show. <laughs> yeah, so I should listen to that. But so I thought it could be something like that. And instead, I'm like, oh no, it's just. It's just about how fucking awful cops are and how they basically allowed this woman to die and then tried to, like, shirk any responsibility for it for, like, time. Many time. Much time. Yep. Fuck them. But don't worry. I will have you on for, like, a Haunted House episode, which is always so much fun. Perfect. Um, so, yeah. Welcome to, the, like welcome to the rotation, I should say. <laughs> I seem to just, me yeah, I was like, I seem to just ask the same people to hop on. Um, but yeah, so what was your favorite holiday movie that you got to watch this past holiday season? Because this is, you know, the new year now. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I, oddly enough, I feel like I did not watch like almost any like traditional holiday movie. That counts. Somehow. Yeah, I, it was. It was I mean, not Christmas. My family, my family, like always, like I mean, we're one of those people that were like obsessed with Lord of the Rings growing up. So like every Christmas, we like tend to watch all three movies. Nice. So to my family, that's kind of a holiday movie. I did, um, or at least it has a tradition attached to it. Yes. So I guess that's the closest thing. Um, otherwise, I feel like I did not watch any of my usuals, which is surprising. I tried to, but then like. Because I watched Christmas Vacation, which is, like, my family's holiday mm-hmm. movie and also one of the best. Um, I've not seen it, so I should watch that. Highly recommend it. It is slapstick funny. Um, and it gets better every year for me because I'm older and older and older. And, like, I'm becoming different characters, you know? <laughs> I'm like, can't wait to be Cousin Eddie. Um, but I think, what was it? Oh, shit. There was one that I watched uh, that I really, really loved. It was a horror movie. The Lodge. I was really into it. It, but I call it I call it a Christmas movie because there's snow. Perfect. Um, Nailed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. And for all of you who definitely have probably heard it before, but have <laughs> will hear it again, I do have a horror podcast with our friend Kelly. Um, my roommate oh yes <laughs> which is called we eat films like you for breakfast all about horror movies and women and lgbtq plus is role in it it's all about intersectional femininity mm-hmm. and femi- That's feminism hot. yep i'm really excited about this next one because it's my pick and i am pumped um so you can check that out if you just 
look it up on the major platforms. But yeah, we'll just wrap up this thing and let it go. And thank you for listening. Do look into defunding the police, the concepts that are behind it. It is not this big, nasty, ugly thing that you might have been told that it is. It's actually a concept that spreads the wealth of problems, essentially, and takes Mm -hmm. things off the shoulders of police, but also redistributes to other professionals who are better equipped to handle situations. So well, like uh what's like the phrase like identifying the the um the roots of a problem and like addressing the roots of a problem as opposed to just addressing the symptoms. Exactly. So you're actually creating a system that have lasting change and reduce, you know, issues overall instead of just always slapping a band-aid on problems and hoping that's gonna be enough. Cause it's like if it's a gaping wound. Exactly. You know, Exactly. One little princess band-aid is not going to do it. So. <laughs> it's like that water tank one where he slaps the tape on it. Um, perfect. Perfect. So with that all being said, slap the water tank because I am Elizabeth Fury and with me has been... Kristen Haynes? Question mark. Stewart? And... Oh, yeah. Stewart. <laughs> She's Stewart. Famous mom. actress. It's me. <laughs> it's her. And this has been another hopefully riveting episode of Let's Talk About the Facts. Next week, hopefully, I'm not going to tell you what it's going to be because I might fuck up and change my mind last minute. So we will see you hopefully back next week. Da-da-da. This podcast was surprisingly produced by me. Original music by Miranda Miller. You can find us both on Twitter and Instagram at TalkAboutFacts. That's T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. Or email recommendations to ltatfpodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe out there, friends.